0: Support comes from Kenmore Air, offering escapes to the beautiful San Juan Islands this spring. Convenient daily 45-minute flights to San Juan Island, Orcas, and Lopez Islands from only $169 per person one way. Bookings available now at KenmoreAir.com. Hey,
1: welcome to Friday. Welcome to KUOW's Week in Review. I'm Bill Radke. Hmm. A privately funded surprise fireworks display hours after sunset and months after Independence Day. Scandal or Adventure? We'll talk about that a little bit later on the show. My panel, Seattle Times climate environment reporter Amanda Zoe, is now relaxed enough to join us even after the fireworks. You're you're doing much better. I've recovered. You've recovered. Yes, Jane, you also go back to sleep.
2: Somehow. Yeah, yeah freelance
1: <laughs> science journalist Jane C. Who, not in town for the fireworks, was independent health journalist Joanne Silburner. Hi, Joanne. Hi. Uh, so we will talk uh, pyrotechnics later in the show. And you can, in fact, you can watch the sparks fly because we stream this show on YouTube and Facebook. Just search KOW Public Radio. But we've got other uh, news of the week to first uh, discuss and digest. First of all, this week... Seattle government passed and signed a new law that makes having or publicly using illicit drugs a gross misdemeanor in the city, and that means the city can prosecute those crimes. The city attorney can. KUOW reporter Amy Radel told us that Mayor Bruce Harrell is preparing guidance for police on when to make arrests and when to divert people to treatment and other services.
2: Seattle's ordinance emphasizes that police should make arrests only if the person using drugs also poses a threat to others. City Attorney Ann Davison says she's relieved that the law was passed. We really do need to be intervening with people in a meaningful way and making our public spaces safer, so I'm glad we can proceed on that. Davison says her office will look at the cases that are referred by police to see if there are further opportunities to help people seek treatment.
1: KUOW reporter
3: Joshua McNichols brought us some people's reactions to the new drug law. Blair Johnson works at a sports bar near Cal Anderson Park. He says law enforcement can help address the opioid crisis. A lot of people say that's the best rehab is is being locked up. Because drugs are less accessible there. But others say the new law is punishing people instead of helping them.
2: Basically, it's scapegoating on the part of the city.
3: Carly McIntosh is currently unhoused. She says a better way is to provide safe places for people to use drugs out of the public eye.
2: When you're on a drug, if you're not safe in a safe place with safe people, you can get really hurt.
1: The mayor says this new law should go into effect next month. Here's a little
3: more of Joshua's reporting, collecting some reactions to the law. Eddie Helton lives on Capitol Hill. He's in favor of the law.
0: It's time that They started really doing something about the problem because it's way out of control. People smoke that heroin all the time, out that foil. I see that all the time.
3: But not everybody's convinced the law will help. James Lovell works for the Chief Seattle Club. He's worried about what it means for his brother, who lives in shelters and has struggled with addiction for decades. Is this the thing that's gonna finally get my brother clean? Or is this the thing that's gonna finally make him on the wrong side of a bullet? He says right now he has no idea. So that's some
1: reaction to the law just passed this week by the city of Seattle, making it a gross misdemeanor to use publicly or to possess drugs in the city, illegal drugs. So who is Amanda? Are you clear on who's actually going to get arrested and prosecuted and counseled and treated
4: yeah, it's, it's really not clear because it seems like the city council members really were in a bind with the exact language of when you can make an arrest. And, you know, and even if we make an arrest, we're going to prioritize diversion. But it, it's all sort of unclear, given that um, I think the court has also said that they're going to try to prioritize high level dealers opposed to, you know, daily street use. So I, I think the actual impacts of what this ordinance is going to do is still very unclear.
5: And the point people in this are the police, and I don't care what kind of guidance you give them; they're they're going to be out there. They know that you know they're under the gun, so to speak. They know that people have been highly critical of them, and sometimes for good reason. And there's no right decision in a lot of these cases. You know, you'll have a storekeeper or somebody who lives downtown saying, "Hey, you got to do something about this," and the person, and you want to get the person into diversion, and they don't want to go, and it's just going to be. A mess. What does it mean for someone to be a danger? I mean, mm. it feels yeah. like that is
2: really slippery and very subjective. Um, seems like we might get a little bit of guidance from the mayor about enforcement later on. Mm-hmm. But as it stands, it feels highly subjective. And do we have the infrastructure?
5: You know, great. You know, we, we want to get these people into other give these people other options. Are there other options out there? I don't think so.
1: Right, and we're waiting to learn more about what the budget is for these services because the mayor is producing his new budget, I think, in the next few weeks. And, by the way, there's a budget deficit uh, in the city of Seattle.
2: Yeah, this all kind of feels like potentially a Band-Aid until we have some longer-term solutions to fix the root of the problem, which is addiction. Mm -hmm. Um,
5: And and, it's huge. And I don't know why it's hitting Seattle. Harder than anywhere else. In the ordinance itself, it cites a statistic I wasn't familiar with, which is that we have, or Washington State, has had the highest increase of overdose deaths in the country over the past year. We're up twenty four percent in deaths. Mm -hmm. That's that's why.
1: And that's statewide. And also, how we track these things may vary from state to state, but we we know there's a we know there's a problem just anecdotally i i talked to someone i haven't uh, i haven't talked to in years and her nephew who i used to play with when he was a little boy he's gone oh, you know boy. he was uh I, I think he was using Adderall, and it turned out it was laced with fentanyl. That's you know, I'm just one of a million hmm. anecdotes, right? R- well, Nick Kristoff,
5: the, the New York Times reporter editorial writer, he, I think he's just written a book, or he's certainly written enough columns about his school bus. He grew up in rural Oregon on a farm. His school bus, one third, I think that was, that's about the number. One third are you know either died or are you know sort of lost to addiction, right?
1: Well, this week, Mayor Harrell also said that the city is going to kick in another six million dollars a year on this new team of behavioral health professionals uh, to respond to public safety calls. Now, whether when when drug use is a public safety question, as you asked, Jane, that's hard to say. What, What if it's what if the drug use seems to have something to do with, quote unquote, street disorder? Is that a threat to public safety? It's just, as I as I opened with the beginning, I was asking you, Amanda, do you have the answers? Because I feel like I can't give <laughs> listeners, I have far more questions than I do answers.
4: I certainly do not yeah. have the answers, Bill. Yeah. No.
1: Well, this drug law uh, takes effect in uh, four weeks from now, a month from its passage this week. Also uh, this week, uh, by the way, you're listening to KUOW's Week in Review, Um, This week, a man with a sledgehammer broke nine windows at the Wing Luke Museum in Chinatown International District. He allegedly told police, quote, the Chinese had been torturing him for years. He's been charged with a hate crime. And there was an op-ed in the Seattle Times, Amanda, your newspaper, that linked the Wing Luke crime to recent home invasion robberies against Asian Americans in South Seattle, and with a Seattle police officer laughing as he discussed the killing of an Indian grad student in a crosswalk by a speeding officer. The authors asked elected officials to, quote, keep our Asian community safe. What is being proposed and asked for from the city? I mean, I, I, I get some sense. <laughs> I did I, I, from reading it. They, they they talked about safety training for our community members in several Asian languages. Uh, the authors, by the way, this was uh, there was uh, the chair of the Beacon Hill Council, who's a, a Philippine immigrant, uh, a UW American Ethnic Studies professor who came here from Hong Kong. Uh, local Japanese American Citizens League co-president, and they talked about not having enough political power, you know, being being always overlooked, um, and and also said that the safest areas of Seattle are those with the greatest resources, not those with the greatest police presence, and called for more to be done to increase resources in South Seattle and the CID. It's just that it. You know, this feels like we've been having this discussion for so long. And we were talking before the show started, just yet another on the pile. The, the, the stranger is reporting today, and I haven't had a chance to look into it, but the stranger is reporting on this uh, audio recording of a Seattle police officer using a racial slur against a neighbor in an argument. Um, so I'm just wondering what we can tell listeners about what's being proposed, what's being done, what's not being done.
2: Bill, when you asked what what are they calling for, <laughs> the first thing that came to mind for me was just respect. Same here. Mm. A very baseline level of respect, um, and I think for a long time Asian Americans have well, not to get too too in the weeds on it, but uh, there are Asia is a very large place, and there are a lot of smaller sub communities of Asian Americans, and I think it has taken. You know, many decades for people to try and figure out what that identity means to each of those communities, um, how we fit together, what we have in common, what we don't have in common. Um, But as we're seeing in all of these different events over the last few weeks here, it feels like there's just a baseline level of disrespect or um, a lack of attention being paid to some of these um, crimes that seem like they are rooted in bias.
5: And it seems that, geographical, I mean it seems like the international district is especially in need and especially ignored,
4: yeah, and it seems like each one of these examples that we're discussing, whether it's this hate crime vandalism or um you know those targeted robberies they they all when you when you think about them in isolation, they have like individual like policy solutions to them or like individual causes, but I think to this community, it's sort of like, well, we're not being listened to, you're not responding to our 911 calls. Um, and then also, like, when you think we're not around, you're saying these things to us. And, and I think the, the um, element of respect is really dead on here, which is that they feel like the police isn't, you know, doing their job and also not respecting them.
1: Yeah, the, in the case of the Wing Luke Museum, it took police 45 minutes to oh, show up after telling museum staff they couldn't respond to vandalism reports and to stop calling 911. SPD said, Seattle Police Department said they were short-staffed that night. It was the night of the Beyonce concert. <laughs> um, there were, we talked about, there were, there were these 14, uh, in case listeners haven't heard, home invasion robberies, 14 that I know of uh, reported uh, all targeting Asian, Asians and Asian-Americans, um, Seattle Police Lieutenant John O'Neill told King Five that these invasions are not necessarily racially motivated.
3: This is not a hate crime. This is people that are trying to attack our vulnerable adults in our community. I'm shocked. I'm
2: concerned. I'm angry. Seattle City Council candidate Tanya Wu agrees it's not a hate crime.
1: Tanya Wu is a community activist in the CID, uh, Chinatown International District. And she said she thinks these robbers have been targeting Asian Americans because, quote, some Chinese families don't believe in banks. They keep all cash in the home. It's a crime of opportunity, not hate or bias.
4: Yeah, I had a kind of a hard time with that phrasing because, you know, I understand it might not fall to like the legal definition or the police definition of a hate crime. But if like there's a series of crimes and they're disproportionately uh, impacting a specific ethnic group, then it doesn't really matter what the definition is. That's going to be taken as racism and, and hate.
5: And the idea that that she's giving a reason, I mean, you know, I, I remember back a, a while back when we uh, people were advising women not to wear provocative clothing if they didn't want to be attacked. And uh, it's, you know what, if people want to keep money in the house, they can keep, you know, why are we saying, no, you can't keep money in the house? You know, it's because in, in her in her case, and I'm not Asian, so maybe I shouldn't be talking about this, but I felt so uncomfortable when I read her comments saying, you know, suggesting to people, you know, you're making yourself a victim. I, I don't feel that way.
2: And I'm totally with you on that. I am Chinese, and uh, Chinese people are not a monolith. It turns out, um, but I did not like that phrasing because it felt like there's a little bit of victim blaming there to to say that certain certain people were not educated enough about how to keep their money in, in the right way to avoid being victims of a crime. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that a hate crime doesn't well. There's a very specific definition of what is a hate crime in order to be prosecutable. But bias does not mean that this person is out there necessarily saying that what motivates their crime is specifically race. But bias can still be shown in a, a systemic way um, through who who they're targeting and for what reason and what their beliefs are about these people and what they may or may not have in their house.
5: And what they probably know the police are, are are not going to do and they're not going to show for vandalism, you know, who knows if they'll show for a house invasion.
2: I remember reading in an article about the the Wing Luke that right, it took a while for SVD to respond, but that also someone at the museum had emailed the mayor and lo and behold a few minutes later that is when the police showed up. So oh. I thought that was an interesting <laughs>
5: detail. Mm-hmm. He's responsive, I guess. Well, King County
1: is considering a community-based hotline for reporting hate crimes, a hotline that's an alternative to calling the police because some people say they don't feel safe or they don't feel comfortable, culturally comfortable calling the police about hate crimes. And one more item to add to this Before we take a break here, since we're talking about policing, I want to give you an update on that body cam video that I mentioned very briefly. It came out last week. The Seattle Officers Union vice president was laughing as he told the union president about a woman who just had been killed in a crosswalk by a speeding officer. Well, a California news organization is reporting that after that conversation got recorded, the union president asked the police chief, to cancel a contract for a software program that analyzes what officers say on body camera footage. Apparently, a similar thing happened in Vallejo, California. That's why the news site is following this. So on this call that I mentioned, accidentally recorded on the um, officer's body cam, the Seattle Union vice president told his boss, quote, she is dead. And this software program automatically scans body camera recordings for red flag words, including dead, because it's looking for high stakes interactions to make sure cops are handling those well. And so obviously they're talking about death. That's high stakes. And uh, we don't know whether this software Notified leadership automatically, you know, sent them a note about the word dead in this conversation and sent them a recording. But the union president, Mike Solon, told the Seattle uh, pro cop radio station, KTTH, that the department did not tell officers that they were being, quote, spied on like this, that he was irate. And the Seattle Police Department canceled its agreement with this software company, Trulio. In February, which Amanda, you uh, astutely found out, it's not like that hasn't been reported that that this uh, this cancellation happened in February. Just, I just I didn't remember the details.
4: Yeah, it, it seems like they uh, the Seattle Police Department had a pilot program with this company, and then Axio Seattle reported in February. Of course, this is without the context of the body cam footage and what mm-hmm. the officer said, um, but they reported that they. Ended the pilot and weren't continuing. It's sort of unclear to me to what degree this software played a role in, you know, the controversy that we have at hand now. Because Mm -hmm. I I guess the police union, they've said that the officer sort of self-reported his comments. Um, So I I don't know if it was that the software like flagged it specifically or if it was just sort of like another... Thing that was listening to this officer talk.
5: are those body? Is that body cam footage available? Like if you ask the police department, she, I'd like to see the body cam footage from a particular encounter. I, I, for some reason, I recall that is available if you know to ask, but I'm not sure.
4: I, b- I believe it's subject to public records law. That's right, right.
1: And the the, the police department had said had told this California news site that, as Amanda said, this was a pilot, a limited pilot program. They discontinued it in light of reactions to news coverage, and they referenced some news articles reporting that the ACLU of Washington was concerned about the, about a threat to civilian privacy. I'm a little unclear on where, which threat they're talking about. I mean, body cams can be invasive. Um, I'm not sure if they're specifically talking about this software you know, recording analysis but in any case, uh, also the, the police department, although the officer, the vice president of the union said, I flagged this as soon as I realized what happened, the police department says that that leadership found out because a department employee discovered the video in the, quote, routine course of business and brought their concerns up the chain of command. So the Office of Police Accountability is investigating that and one more thing to leave you with, as we'll find out more about this, but when the police chief, Adrian Diaz, back when he was a finalist for the job, this is about a year ago, he told the Seattle Channel that this technology, this software, was a game changer in SPD being able to learn about problematic interactions he talked about three ways the department would build a system of equity accountability and and equality
3: and then the third component is is actually our quality data which is really taking and analyzing our body cameras and being able to to capture the voices and and see if there is anything that we're escalating or de-escalating in a situation to really enhance our customer service so these are these are game changers to how we're actually doing policing and how we're changing culture
1: so that pilot program with the software company is canceled, and, and we'll find out more, more about it um, and see where this investigation goes of the, the interaction with this officer. Okay, it's time we take a break. That's just the beginning of uh, some of this week's developments, and uh, we are on KOW's Week in Review covering this for you, explaining for you, with The Seattle Times' Amanda Zoe, freelance science journalist Jane C. Hu, and independent health journalist Joanne Silberner, and we'll be right back.
0: Support comes from Pacific Science Center, celebrating spring at Paxi with butterflies at the Tropical Butterfly House, sea creatures in the saltwater tide pool, and Jane Goodall, Reasons for Hope at the IMAX Theater, a journey around the globe to share good news stories. Learn more at Paxi.org. Support comes from the Discovery Inn on Washington's San Juan Island, an island getaway that's a ferry ride away, now taking reservations for summer and fall. More information and booking available at DiscoveryInn.com.
1: I'm your host of Week in Review, Bill Radke. So every week, you know, we choose a few topics that all four of us want to discuss. But then I also do a quicker rundown of some events that we're not going to dive all the way into. But uh, one is First Lady Jill Biden in town raising money and promoting the White House's uh, Cancer Moonshot Initiative. And health reporter Joanne Silberner, what is the... Um, cancer moonshot. And why is that relevant in Seattle?
5: Well, this was one of Biden's early initiatives. You know, he's lost people and his family to cancer. It really means a lot to him. And he's putting a lot of money into it. Speaking of money, that's probably part of the reason Jill Biden is here. You know, she's going over to Medina, I think. and uh, Mercer like, Island. Oh, yeah. And Shoreline, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Yeah, to go to some fundraisers. But, you know, this is – we are a hotbed of cancer research. We've got the – oh, and she's going to the Hutch, of course. So she's going to the Hutch. We've got University of Washington. We've got all the biotech companies that are involved in cancer. It's a really good place to go to find people interested in being involved in this.
1: Um, Speaking of health can I ask you something else if you're going to if you're going to get the new covid booster I'm oh. I'm asking for a friend do you want it who could be 58 years old do you want this booster as soon as possible or do you want it to wait in closer to a possible wintertime covid surge oh, any opinion
5: is, opinion yes uh, uh-huh. uh comfort level very low okay you know the cdc is saying yes if you're over five you should get the new the they're calling it the 2023 2024 vaccine and they they're behind it and Boy, it used to be you know, for decades. If the CDC said it, they go through an enormous process to get to that point of making a recommendation. Like I say, various committees—they they really um, were careful about it. It's become so politicized; it really has. And the issue with boosters is what what people know the boosters will do is they'll raise your antibody levels for a few weeks or months, and that's great. But then those that first reaction to the booster or to a vaccine goes away. And then you've got your secondary reaction, which is your long-term reaction. It's actually a different arm of the immune system. And there are people who are, who I respect, uh, scientists like Paul Offit, who are saying, you know, you know what, unless you're in a risk group, you know, immunocompromised uh, or um, around older people, if you're not in a risk group, you will get a little bit of a boost, but maybe you don't really have to. So where do you go with that? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm over 65. I'm going to get it. Am I rushing? No. Um uh, in fact, right now there's a little bit of a, a shortage. At the Seattle King County Public Health Department is going along with what the CDC says, and they do notice that there is a bit of a, a lag. Some of the you know the supplies are coming in now. Uh, My appointment is slow.
1: October 30th, but I'm kind of looking <laughs> around. Do, do I want to? Do, maybe I want to drive to a red county. Wait, how did
2: you get an appointment? I feel like yeah. i been trying to get an appointment for weeks, and Kaiser for a while was saying that it was only for immunocompromised people. I feel like the messaging, well. The last few years, the messaging has been confusing to say the least. But um, I got this email
1: through the U. Because I'm I'm a state employee and. Uh, so some I, I got an email. October 30th, though, that felt like so far away. Yeah,
5: but. if you go to Rite Aid's website now, the first appointment's October 21st. Yeah. So, But my husband, on the other hand, made an appointment a couple of weeks ago and got an appointment in a week or two. So, oh. there, it, it has I'll just been go around. with him. We're, wait, <laughs> we're waiting for the second wave of the vaccines to come in, and uh, should you take it? Ah, I don't know. Yeah. I might, you know... Uh, just Google... Uh, <laughs> just Google that. <laughs> or, you know what, the other thing to do is to to call your health care provider and yes. ask. And, they, you know, they they can give... You know, if you've been sick a lot or... Uh, you know, the, the scary thing to me behind all of this is long COVID and they really don't have, know whether, you know... Um, there's a suspicion, actually. There are some indications that full vaccination means... You know, it, it's not... As we all know, vaccines mean that that if you do get COVID, you'll get a little bit less. And there's a suspicion that it also will help against long COVID. And that's important to, you know, to everyone. So where do you go? All right. Uh, You'll you'll
1: have to decide yourself, (laughs) listener. um, Or talk to your doctor. talk to your doctor. (laughs) Good good advice. Um, Another item, Amanda, you're reporting on the city of Seattle trying to electrify their vehicles. What's so hard about that?
4: Yeah, um, so the story should be coming out next week, actually. Um, Can you tell
1: us now? Yes, well,
4: I mean, it's all all news that's out there, which is that they're trying out this new electric bike lane sweeper. Uh, I did not know that we needed special vehicles to sweep bike lanes specifically. Oh, Um, But that's part of their goal to electrify their fleet. Uh, The main sort of roadblocks ahead is that, you know, I think everyone knows our charging infrastructure just isn't there yet, and they're sort of wrestling with these questions of how they're going to scale that up. Uh, The other thing is like medium heavy duty vehicles, you know, your trucks, your snowplows, those bucket trucks that fix our... Like electric lines, there's not really good electric versions of those yet. They're either too expensive or just you know so early in their development.
1: Okay, is there an app I can get that I can unlock one of these electric bike lane sweepers and ride that bad <laughs> boy around the city? Please, Jay and I has, are into that.
4: I hear the peak speed is a uh, 21 miles per hour. <laughs> or even if we can just
2: make requests for where we want it to go. Because, oh yeah, uh, I have ridden through a lot of stuff in the bike lanes in the last few weeks here, and it's only going to get worse with
1: all of the fall leaves. Yeah, if you could call it up. Smart sweeper. Um, (laughs) Amanda, since we're talking about stuff you're working on, you wrote about a giant sturgeon. Yes, Ooh,
4: yes, yes. Great uh, story. Everyone just loves a big dead fish, is what <laughs> I've learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not, they're not like super rare. Like you know, people are aware they exist in like Washington. It's just you know they do live for like decades at a time and grow to be eight to ten feet long. And so when a dead one washes up every you know couple of years, people are pretty excited about it.
5: <laughs> wow! I am. You know, you're out there and looking down and thinking, whoa.
1: Yeah, yeah I, pretty, I, that's about scary. as long <laughs> as my paddleboard. It could hide. It could just like be hiding down there. Is it going to bite me?
4: No, they're bottom feeders. Um, so will I... it bite my bottom? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. They they like to hang out towards the bottom of the 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 um, water. Uh, but they're also something I learned is that they're really old species, like they 've been around since the dinosaurs, mm-hmm. so you know they 've just been quietly lurking at the bottom of Lake <laughs> Washington, and I just didn't know until one died <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, groovy um couple more items um we're we're gonna we're gonna discuss here, but uh I did see that even though it 's gonna rain on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the city of Seattle's being asked to do something we haven't been asked to do in eight years, which is to voluntarily cut back our water usage because it's been a dry summer and it's supposed to be a pretty dry autumn. So here's some things you can do. Some easy tips. Stop watering your lawns indoors. Take shorter showers or take showers instead of baths. Run full loads of laundry instead of partial ones. Similarly for the dishwasher. And if you have a running toilet, fix the leak. Alex Chen there, the agency's director of drinking water. One thing I got I got one for you. Just turn on the tap cuz so first put, get the soap in your hand when you're washing your hands. Then turn on the tap enough to wet the situation and then turn off the tap and then rub. And then turn the water back on cuz I stand next to people like, there's a there's a lot of water coming out while they're while they're washing the their brushing. hands.
5: People do that they turn on the water, start to brush their teeth, brush their teeth, and if you're doing it right, you're doing it for 2 minutes. Right turn off the water
1: yeah is that scoldy or is that good good tip hot tip
5: seems smart saves money
1: thank you
4: it's probably both but in my head (laughs) i'm like okay but everyone (laughs) needs to stop watering their lawns yes before i'm like counting the milliseconds i know what on my street (laughs) does
2: and like i'm walking the dog on my street like all the little blocks around my house and i'm like so proud of these neighbors who don't water their lawns. Someone just got turf too and I was like, you know, that's smart. Looks green all year. Right. Don't have to put any water on it, don't have to weed. Yeah.
5: Anyway. Yeah. But it doesn't eat up carbon dioxide though. Mm. That's mm.
2: it's a Yeah, there's definitely trade offs, right? And then like producing the turf probably also requires resources. But
1: Well, we're gonna talk carbon dioxide in just The moment. Give me a few seconds to add my final rundown story item, which is another ferry out of service. Prop damage. Oh, I'm sorry, Joanne. Prop damage (laughs) on the Walla Walla on the Seattle to Bremerton run put that boat out of service at least a month. And they shifted a Seattle Bainbridge boat to Bremerton, right?
5: Right. But they did bring in another boat in, but it's a little guy. Oh, it doesn't take enough cars and it's messed everything up.
2: Okay, how many ferries are still in service? Because it feels like it might be easier at this point to count that than the ones that are out of service. Because I feel like every few weeks I hear about another incident. And I mean, we know that our fleet is aging, and it's, you know, this bigger infrastructure problem. So no no hate to our ferries, love them very much, but... It, Give Has anyone more
5: money.
3: How <laughs> many are how we, many are still in our, versus
5: out? I think I think it's like around twenty that you you know the and there are only twenty four, but I, I don't have the exact numbers. But, but we know,
1: should highlight the, every week. Highlight still in service.
5: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a new I'm, boat of the week. <laughs> my a hero. answer is just put more money into it. And I realize that you know with with the eastern part of the the uh, state not really being into. Financing this this has been a problem, but it's really a problem.
1: Yeah. Oh, and there was a meeting last night or 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 the night before at Vashon Island High School with the ferry officials and, and all that. So it's it's bad on Vashon too, I could
5: tell you. Oh it's uh, worse uh, for them. They don't have a bridge, at least Bainbridge. We've got a bridge. you know, you can always as they say mm, drive around. Drive around. It's, it's not convenient, but if you have to, you have to. But Vashon doesn't have that option.
1: Um okay. So that's a, that's a rundown of the news of the week and before we take a break since we we briefly uh mentioned um carbon sequestration we didn't say that but uh doing the right thing environmentally the um well here's the good news air quality has improved since 2000 in Washington state and, and nationwide Bad news, though, Jane, wildfire smoke has erased 75 percent of the progress we've made in Washington and all of the progress in Oregon of the last couple decades. That's according to new research in the journal Nature. What what should our listeners know about our air?
2: Mm, Bad news, indeed. I mean, I think the real take home for a lot of us is that we are still really figuring out like what wildfire smoke does to our health in the long term. Um, really has only become a huge issue in the last few decades here. And researchers are just now kind of trying to gather that longitudinal data to, to figure out how that affects us in the long run. And I think we know in the short run already that it has all sorts of negative effects for pregnant women, um, for um, people with asthma or COPD. Um, so not surprising to learn that, but... Um, Seeing those stats is pretty sobering. It's scary
5: because they do there is epidemiological epidemiological data that that links it to premature mortality, increased I'm reading from a list from the California Air Resources Board, premature mortality, increased hospital admissions for heart or lung causes, acute and chronic bronchitis, asthma as you mentioned. ER visits, respiratory symptoms, and restricted activity days—all of those—you can, you can look at it number-wise, and it goes up. And they do know that it causes inflammation within the body because it gets the fine, the finest particles actually get absorbed into the bloodstream, so that they can go to other organs, not just the lungs, and that's terrifying.
1: Oof! Maybe I shouldn't have gone to Leavenworth uh, last weekend and <laughs> rode that roller coaster because it was this view of smoke. Um, one more issue regarding fire and smoke is that it's gotten harder to insure your house against—is that specifically against fire? It's harder to get homeowner's insurance because uh, because of increased fire risk, and some people are complaining to the state about losing coverage, and the state has said, there's nothing we can do about it. Um, is, but if you—what are we supposed to do about it? We, can we force private insurance companies? I mean, if I'm if if it's Bill's insurance company, I would like to know what the risk is of fire before I decide that I want to promise you I will pay you in in the case of a fire. What are we supposed to do about that situation?
5: Right, they do I mean with earthquakes, you pay higher earthquake insurance. I don't even know Correct. if you can get earthquake insurance if you're out of the danger zone, but we all pay pretty high earthquake insurance here. So, mm. yeah, what is it the state of Oregon is wants to block insurers from paying, from charging more. It's, but that's what insurance is. It, right. it's, a, a, it's a private... If you know, it's private insurance. It's a private company. Right. If your, Government insurance is different. But private insurance, they look and see what your risk is, and they price accordingly. They've been stopped from doing that with health insurance. And of course, that means everybody's rates go up, because that's what it takes. You know, If we're going to spread risk like that, then the rates go up. And if, I, I don't quite understand the business model for the Or what the state of Oregon is thinking in telling insurers, no, you can't consider the risk? I
2: think what states can do is set those standards at least so that insurance companies have to be more transparent about what criteria they're using to increase those um, premiums. Because I know that those fire maps that came out in Oregon, I believe last year, um, it was a whole controversy about, well, how accurate are these maps? Are they taking into account? Individual homeowners'
5: yeah. improvements to their property, um, and they should have right? You might what?
1: have a metal roof and cleared vegetation yeah. away at it from from near your home. Yeah,
5: they should have to take that into account, and and also, you know, um, if you live in an area where there's good, you know, they're doing prescription burning and other things. If you're trying to make a difference, that that should count for something. And I, I agree, the state should should ask the insurer or tell the insurers you know you've got to consider. You've got to be accurate, and you've got to let people know, and you've got to consider what they've done
1: okay um well this is this the situation is going to increase right i mean <laughs> w- there are there are some Washington zip codes I read now I don't remember where I read it that could see more than a two hundred percent increase in the number of properties at risk of wildfire and, and 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 of losing insurance coverage as a result. so we'll be hearing more about this right
5: and then you can't get a mortgage. You know, if you can't get house, ins- if you can't get insurance, then nobody's going to give you a mortgage.
1: Yeah, but are you also less likely to build where you shouldn't build? Right. Well, that's
5: a good thing.
2: I think the the difficult issue here is yes, uh, more people are building out into what a lot of researchers call the the wildland urban interface. Um, but um, sure, maybe this will dissuade new new building but there are tons of people who already live there and for them this has come as a complete surprise that's true they can't sell their homes because people don't want to buy them if they can't insure what they've bought um which leaves them in a really difficult position if they are ever you know hit by a fire
1: yeah it's true okay um Why don't we take a break, and I can't promise we're not going to use the word fire, but we're going to combine it with works into a new word, and that'll still make people mad. We'll be right back on Week in Review. Your panel of local journalists helping you understand the week gone by, freelance science journalist Jane C. Hu, independent health journalist Joanne Silburner, Seattle Times climate and environment reporter Amanda Zoe. So last month, my daughter fell asleep on my side of the bed next to her mom, so I slept in her room, and at 11.30, I was suddenly awakened by a boom, and I thought, explosion. But then it had a regular cadence to it. Boom. And but 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 the sound would change a little and I thought, construction? It's not that. Is it demolition? And then because the whole vibe was weird, I'm waking up suddenly in a strange bed to weird sounds, <laughs> you know, I'm not rational. I started thinking, Are we under attack? Yeah. And so I checked my phone and a friend of mine's asking what's going on. I went to Twitter where I couldn't I couldn't at least quickly find discussion. So I went to Next door. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew there was chatter there. If you give next door people something to actually complain about, <laughs> wow. So it was a fireworks display, an 11.30 p.m. fireworks display in Lake Washington. Now, fireworks, the reason that didn't come to my mind, because I think fireworks should sound like... <laughs> and then wait for it. You got the... Yeah. That's fireworks, right? Yeah. So, but the, I couldn't hear that part. I just heard the boom. Okay, okay, we, I'll stop that. You get the idea. So there was, a, what I found out is that there was an event in Seward Park in Seattle, and they had a permit, but there was a delay, and so they did the fireworks anyway, very late, and they apologized for it afterward. I tell you this now because fast forward to this week, Saturday night at 9.40 p.m., still two and a half hours after the sun has set. The same thing happened, and it was heard from Bainbridge Island to Ballard. What's that sound? My kid thinks Russia is invading. It was another private fireworks show, the same pyrotechnics company that does the July 4th show at Gasworks. They got a permit from the Seattle Fire Department to load fireworks shells onto a barge in Seattle, in Ballard, and they tugged it off of Bainbridge, outside of Bainbridge's jurisdiction, the Coast Guard said, told the Seattle Times, that this company applied for a marine events permit. And the Coast Guard said, oh, you don't need that. Because the, the event, quote, the event does not introduce any extra or unusual hazards that would jeopardize the safety of human life on the navigable waters for the United States.
5: On the navigable waters. That's yeah. very important. Also, hu-
2: human life. What about marine life?
1: Ah, they didn't consider oh, that. Oh, good thought. It's not the Marine Guard. Marine lifeguard. <laughs> it is the Marine Guard. So the permit from Seattle Fire said that this private pyrotechnics company was hired by a mysterious company called WYBO that has been doing – it's not the first time they've done surprise fireworks shows. Uh, they, they've been doing it off and on since at least the 90s. And two of my three guests were disturbed. Well, no, I was it. disturbed, too. Oh, you were, too. You I, was, in I town. didn't hear
5: it. I'm just disturbed that it happened.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> But you were awakened, or at least maybe not awakened, but I was trying out?
5: to read a book,
3: uh-huh. <laughs> oh.
2: and I heard this low rumble and spent like 10 minutes running around my house kind of just trying to figure out what it was and where it was coming from. And at a certain point, I actually just had to say to myself, you know what? You're not going to find out. Just relax. and <laughs> it, Live in the mystery. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like there's a, it, an apparent answer that's going to be available to you immediately so just accept
4: i I can't remember what i was doing but i had the same experience where i like heard it and then like five minutes later i was like well this is still going and i i just felt like i was just going crazy i was mm-hmm. like it really sounded like to me like when you hear thunder from a distance yes. except that it was going on forever mm-hmm. and then being the reporter that i am i called our regular source at the seattle times uh the national weather service because <laughs> i know there's always someone on call who's like literally there to pick up the phone Whoa. and i called them and i was like I like hear I like I don't know if you guys are the right people to answer this, but I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like I hear thunder, and they're like, "Well, there's no thunder in the area." But I'm seeing a tweet online that there is a private fireworks show. Uh. <laughs> but I, I was going crazy. Like I literally thought I was like, "Is my neighbor like doing laundry?" Or you know, but I'm, like hearing it outside, I, I was going crazy.
1: How <laughs> mad is the National Weather Service at you right now that you just outed them? Okay, don't call
5: nine one one, but. But you know, on Bainbridge, what a lot of people were thinking was either Bremerton or Whidbey, there are two naval bases are so there. You know, that yeah. there we, we've got a lot of things around that are that are capable themselves of making noise and that are also targets for attack. So that's, that's it was true. That's really freaking scary.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I we, we asked listeners for some reaction to this. And so Eric in West Seattle, who calls himself a proud buzzkill, <laughs> Eric says Considering how hard this region's been hit with smoke from wildfires, I struggle to understand why fireworks are still a thing. There are other ways for the wealthy to show off during their private parties. (laughs) The loud noises are not only disruptive, they're upsetting to animals, both in water and on land. The sound can trigger PTSD in humans. The smoke remnants make breathing difficult for those with health conditions. All it takes is one spark to decimate an area and impact the already endangered ecosystem, especially as climate change is hiking temperatures, and leading to drier summers
4: yes eric you got it you got it yeah us fe- fellow buzzkills. <laughs> <Asia. Good.
1: laughs> however then let me introduce jason here in Burian who says there's so little novelty and spontaneity left in our modern life i say we take a breath snuggle our pets and let the rest of your community come together and ignite some small bombs in the night sky
2: <laughs> except it wasn't for all of us it was for A private event, which, I mean, I have yet to hear from anyone who actually got to enjoy the fireworks part of it rather than just the Mm. anxiety provoked by the either identifiable noise of explosion or
5: the unidentifiable noise of, like, low rumble. Mm -hmm. And the fact that nobody's coming out to say that I did it and it's a gift – Or to tell us, you know, this is the second time or to tell us beforehand that it happens suggests to me that they recognize that this is not a popular thing.
1: Yeah, I I have mixed feelings about their us not knowing who these fireworks hirers are, because on the one hand, they I guess they get to be private, you know, and and if they're if they were public to what purpose so that they could people could shower. Uh, indignation and resentment <laughs> upon them, but it would feel good if you feel indignation and resentment. You at least know who to. So and here, okay, how about this? Here's Maggie in the central district, being central here, playing the middle. Maggie mm. says it's the surprise part that one should yes. consider. Let your neighbors have the chance yes. to leave that evening to av- to leave that evening to avoid the noise. But when it's so loud as to go beyond the island for a private event. That's just rich folks showing off, putting their flash and smoke literally in your face.
5: Yeah. Angry.
4: I, I will say I do enjoy fireworks. Okay. I, I recognize that there are externalities with that. Um, but I, I guess the thing that I thought while this was happening is that I really do think sound pollution is, like, something we should consider more when it comes to these kind of events.
1: What do you mean by sound pollution?
4: Well, just that, like, it, it's hard to live your life if you, like, hear – You know, rumbling going on. And, you know, people who live near the airport, they say, like, that's a problem. People on Whidbey, they say it's a problem with the naval base. Mm -hmm. Um, And it does seem like that should be part of the equation when people
5: decide to do these things. It makes it public rather than private. I just got. I'm
1: getting a text here um, regarding sound pollution. Oh, this is from a um, this is from a whale in the Salish Sea. <laughs> yes, sound sound pollution is a real thing. Please stop float going around in motorboats to look at us. Um, I appreciate it. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. So that's just a whale weighing in. You know, with that perspective. Yeah, sound pollution is a real deal. Yeah. Right, if this uh,
2: if this private party planner. Is listening. Yeah, I hope they are taking some of these statements to fat, to, to heart and yes. to thinking about the impact of. it. Although, so I mean, I remember something very similar happening almost at the same time last year. Um, in fact, I think initially the explanation that I saw being put forth in a lot of um, not next door but like Facebook um, neighborhood groups on Facebook. Um, was a Seattle Times article from last year at almost the exact same time explaining uh, that the noise that you heard was a private party. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, (laughs) the fact that it's happened at least two years in a row is... uh,
1: I would like to hear from this. Yes, I'd like to, I'd like to interview the, the sponsoring company. Because maybe they feel like they're Willy Wonka bringing joy, bringing the golden ticket to the chocolate bars, you know? So tell me your side of the story. Um, and you can, here's, here's one way for you to be like um, Eric the Buzzkill and Jason and Maggie is to sign up for our feedback line, org slash feedback. Or you can text us. Here's the number. Just text the word club. It's our feedback club. 206-926-9955. Okay, it's end of the show time. Um, Maybe you smiled at fireworks. Amanda at least sometimes smiles at fireworks. Did anything that happened this week actually make you feel happy or hopeful?
4: Oh, did anything actually make me feel happy or hopeful? Great question. Um, I think uh, I'm going to go with the, you know, cliche, which is I like the cold weather.
1: You you appreciate that. Yeah, the I love... spiders, the, the No, not the the spiders. spiders
4: are like absolutely uh, right. the death of me. <laughs> my, my bad. Um, oh, but, now we know. But, but the cold weather's great. I like uh, putting it on my pants for the first time in a bunch of months. <laughs> I like eating ice cream when it's cold, which I guess other people don't agree with.
1: Oh, why especially when it's cold?
4: Um, I just feel like it's cozy and also it, it doesn't melt as fast. Oh, I, I feel yeah. like that's how you're supposed to eat ice cream, honestly.
1: In a fridge. Yeah, that's honestly. A good call. That's a good call, actually. Yeah. Anyone else smiling?
2: Last night, I tried to go see Fantasy A Gets a Mattress, um- at Grand Illusion sold Theater. Out. It was sold I out tried. And the um the line the to get last minute, you know, just at the door tickets wrapped around the block. Fantasy A was there taking pictures with fans. A rapper,
1: by the way. Yes. Oh, um, thank,
5: well, thank you. Thank you. I,
2: thank you. I no idea. <laughs> it was just great to see so many people excited about a local production it's uh, a movie. at a local theater. Yep. Um, About a local rapper, and just felt very Seattle, and brought a smile to my face. I so
1: agree. It's coming to Central Cinema. They keep doing these showings, and I'm I'm. I think I already got my ticket for a Central Cinema showing. So yeah, Fantasy A gets a mattress. It's getting all this. It's this, you know, indie. Anyway, it's a movie. Check it out if you're interested. Uh, Any Joanne? Oh, for me, I'm going
5: with the weather too. The other morning when we had rain. Mm. Say, like, oh yeah, I remember this. It just it it felt reassuring, and and mm. I'm not saying that I'm into the you know the six months of rain coming up, but that one morning of rain made me happy. And actually, now knowing that Seattle is a little bit water uh, missing a Challenged. little bit of water, yeah, yes. water challenge. That's a good way to put it. I, um, makes me even happier to have seen it.
1: Well, speaking of wet that also stands for Washington Ensemble Theater and so I'll just tell you that I went and saw a play at 12th Avenue Arts last night called Dream House about these sisters who are selling their sort of ancestral home in a gentrified neighborhood and they kind of they feel conflicted and disagree and it's they, they, they choose a reality TV show called Flip It and List It and anyway it's really good um, so there's yeah there's good shows and entertainment and Light Rail is back on schedule that's making me happy Great. I hope something's making you happy I'll I love that I get to come together with all of you. That makes me happy. Uh, freelance science journalist Jane C. Who, independent health journalist Jo Anselburner, Seattle Times climate and environment reporter Amanda Zoe. Thank you so much for doing the show this week.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks for having us.
1: And thank you for tuning in. And uh, I want to thank, all, as always, Kevin Kniestedt, producer of this show. We've got Kevin Deers running the board today. Uh, and finally, we have, if you're worried about political divides and want to be part of the solution... Join in our One Small Step program. It's from StoryCorps. They're pairing strangers with different political views for a conversation not about politics, just about your lives. So that's called One Small Step, and you can get information and sign up at kuw.org/story, as in StoryCorps. Kuw.org/story. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do it all again a week from now.